Yo, what's poppin' ATL gang? It's your boy Tuan here. Hope y'all had a great weekend. Um, you know, the last few days has been filled with a bunch of sporting events, sporting matches, from Wimbledon to Copa America Euros 2020, and of course, the NBA Finals. Uh, I just got off a call with Nav, uh, where we kind of break down our thoughts on the first three games of the NBA Finals between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Giannis is kind of playing out of his mind right now. Chris Paul playing the, some of the best basketball he's ever played. So we talked a lot about that. And we kind of wrapped it up with our thoughts on the availability of Ben Simmons and if he would fit with the Raptors roster with our development. So thanks for tuning in and hope you guys enjoy. Peace. Welcome back to another episode of the ATL podcast. We are on episode number 40, the big four zero. So, you know, we had an incredible few days in sports this past weekend where we witnessed Novak Djokovic capture his 20th major and sixth Wimbledon title um, so far. We saw, you know, huge matches in soccer slash football with Argentina and Italy crowned champions at Copa America in Euros 2020. And there was a huge UFC 264 card where we saw Dustin Poirier defeat Conor McGregor in dramatic fashion. But most importantly, we are in the midst of the NBA Finals where the Phoenix Suns have a 2-1 lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. And to help me break down the series, we got my co-host Nav, ready to give his thoughts. But as with tradition, before we get there, how you doing, baby? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I'm excited for you. I see that Band-Aid on your left shoulder. <laughs> you, you couldn't do it on your right side? Shooting, that's your shooting arm? Yeah, that's my shooting arm. I, I didn't want to, you know, have any side effects for the next few days with, you know, this, this limpy right arm. So had to do the right, uh, the left arm. So to our listeners, Tuan got his, uh, Tuan got his second vaccination. So um, it's an important day for Tuan Do. Um, and yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I got my second one as well. looks like things are opening up on, on your side in, in Toronto as well as, as Waterloo. So very excited and I'm very optimistic for the, uh, for the rest of the summer. Yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just glad that, you know, we can finally see the, the light at the end of the tunnel with, with things opening up, all the restrictions kind of loosening up and people getting their, their vaccine. So yeah, big, big day, July 13th, got the second COVID shot. So ready to, ready to party, ready to mingle, baby. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm always expecting the worst, just given the last year and a half that we've had, but it's definitely looking optimistic. So there's definitely a lot of things to look forward to, but you never know. So let's, let's not take it for granted. Yeah, for sure. Um, what'd you, uh, what'd you get up to this weekend? You know, it was, it's pretty nice this weekend in terms of weather-wise and, you know, again, things are opening up to what you, what'd you get up to? Yeah, just, I mean, work Saturday, working on the weekend, like usual. <laughs> and then, um, just, yeah, just caught up, just watch the sports, man. It was a, it was a great weekend for sports. When you were giving your introduction, it made me realize, um, like how much our audience, our audience, meaning Dayon and, and Justin <laughs> and George and Steph, uh, how much they're into some of the matches that were, that were, uh, taking place over the weekend. And I think that's what got me so hyped too. Like, you know, the Djokovic stuff, you know, what made me excited was the fact that our boys were excited about it um the euro cup i mean i was gonna watch it anyways but 
you know, obviously we got a lot of friends that are very into soccer. So just, just uh, having that excitement behind it made it a little bit more intense and, you know, threw a little money on it. So uh, yeah, pretty much just, a, just a good sports weekend. You don't get them too often. I always think of the masters weekend as like one of those weekends where you're just kind of like watching, you know, three different leagues take place on one day. But um, this, this past weekend was one of those weekends. Yeah, there was even like the ESPYs was this weekend. The home run derby was, I believe, yesterday. So um, a few things are left out, but definitely a very um, packed weekend full of sports and a lot of things um, up for grabs. So um, definitely a fun weekend to, to be well, a part of. The other thing, too, I was thinking about is the silver lining was kind of like, you know, we're, we were still in that, you know, stay at home, uh, you know, COVID life but we got like one weekend full of sports. So there was no reason to leave your house anyways. And then now next weekend, things are reopening. So um, it was a good way to sort of say goodbye to uh, <laughs> that style of life as we've known it for the last year. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, you know, I don't want to, you know, drill down to the, to, into this too much, but um, I think it was pretty significant to watch uh, Novak be able to capture that 20th major. Now he's tied with Nadal and Federer. And he's, man, he's on a hot streak right now. He's, he's ready to fucking take over that first spot, uh, you know, capture that 21st major before the, the rest of the guys. I know Federer just uh, pulled out of the Olympics um, due to some injury concerns. And um, I'm not sure if who's going to be a part of the, the Olympic tournament, but um, it's up for grabs now. So uh, well, we'll see where that goes, but you know, Djokovic, yeah, all their buddies are super excited for uh, for how he's been playing, and you know, he's he's looking like he's able to uh, overtake those two guys uh, eventually, very soon, probably the next major. For sure, no, it seems like he's just sort of like, you know, getting his stride and sort of you know asserting his dominance on that league, right? Um, yeah. So Sky is kind of scared to think that Sky's the limit for a player like that. It's always it's always really fun watching someone dominate the way that they did. Like I I do remember growing up and watching Nadal and Federer, and just you know you don't see those types of players very often in sports. Like I didn't get to see Michael Jordan really play, um, but it's that kind of dominance. Tiger Woods, I kind of started watching him towards the tail end. Um, Kobe, I definitely got to watch him growing up, but I wasn't the biggest fan. I was kind of like on the other side rooting against him. Um, he just kept mm -hmm. winning, you know, one after another after another. Uh, I'm trying to think who's someone else like that, you know, um, Serena, Serena, Serena. Yeah. Like, there's just those, but they're unicorns. Like you don't see it very often. Um, but when you do, you got it, you got, you definitely have to appreciate it. And I kind of feel like that about LeBron at times, you know? Yeah. It's, it's crazy when you see, like, see, like have three, I guess you Brady was the other player I was thinking of. True. But you having three guys at that, at that level dominating, the men's side uh, of, you know, the, the men's tennis having a combined 60 majors, which is crazy. 60 major. That's what was that 15 years worth of majors between them, those three guys. So it's just unfortunate for some of those guys that are playing in this era, like uh, Milos Raonic, you know, like, um, or like an Andy Murray who, man, just it's tough when you have three kind of legendary type players um, or guys, uh, participating at the same time well you see it in basketball too like think about a guy like Steve Nash or Charles Barkley or you know John Stockton or Carl Malone 
Um, so many, so many NBA players that have just, you know, they've, they've had the talent and the physical capabilities and they, everything about them, you know, screamed greatness, but they just got in the way of greats, you know, and they just weren't able to, they weren't able to get championships because of guys like Kobe Bryant, guys like Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron James, you know, you just sort of get in the way with greatness and there's nothing you can really do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but man, let's drill down into the NBA finals. The, the you know, the most exciting uh, series left um, in, you know, the major sports. Um, and, you know, the, the tale, uh, the, the main storyline so far has been, you know, each, each home team has won um, at home. Um, you know, the series is at 2-1 uh, with the Suns winning 118-105 in game one, 118-108 in game two, and then getting blown out by 20 points um, at Milwaukee. So, you know, the, there's a few things that we could, you know, touch base on here. Uh, but, you know, what are your thoughts so far on the first three games? What, what have you been able to observe? Any trends or patterns that you're looking forward to? And just overall thoughts on, on the first three games of this, of this finals. Yeah, I'll try to keep it concise. I mean, I got a lot of thoughts. I think, first of all, just from a, from a broad standpoint, I think the two most entertainment, entertaining games to watch in playoff basketball or when a series is 2-1 and when a series is 3-3, because they're both essentially do-or-die games. Um, you know, after watching the last couple, I missed I miss game one, but after watching games two and three, it's kind of funny because you realize that I don't think I've seen a coach as bad as making at, as bad at making in-game adjustments as Budenholzer is that, than Dwayne Casey. Like, I don't think I've, I've seen a coach as bad at making in-game adjustments. And case in point has just been Giannis's play. And I think that there was a significant shift in the way that Giannis has been playing in game two and game three versus the rest of the playoffs. And one of the stats that I saw from game, game three that kind of sums it up is he had, let's, let me pull it up here. It's just, it has to do with his field goal percentage around the basket and he had 23 23 of his 25 shots were within six feet of the basket and I think the problem that Milwaukee was having with Giannis was there was a lot of ball stoppage above the free throw line and I think what they've done and it's pretty like a no-brainer adjustment but everything he's doing now is from the free throw line down and I think that's kind of the key to success and one of the things that I'm really looking forward to seeing is DeAndre Ayton because I think that now that Giannis has adapted his game in this way and he's going to start playing around the post more you know Phoenix has to start playing DeAndre Ayton like 35-40 minutes a game they really don't have much depth at the center position so I mean DeAndre Ayton's young and you know he might have the legs to sort of hold hold up to the challenge but there's there's a lot of concern for Phoenix right now because if Milwaukee's figured this out and if Giannis is going to start becoming dominant, you know, six feet and around from the basket, then that's going to pose a lot of problems for guys like Aiton. Yeah, uh, man, a lot. Yeah, definitely a lot to, to digest in the last three games. And just to, to like, in terms of 
observing the game, I think Giannis has definitely taken um, that next step that we're, we're kind of seeing it um, happen in these finals. I'm not sure if it's a matchup situation, um, especially with with the Suns not being as big uh, in, the, in the front court with, you know, Jay Crowder, with Mikhail Bridges and a very, very young um, DeAndre Ayton. They, they, they lost Dario Saric, which is a little bit of an underrated, you know, um, loss for the series. I know, he, I believe he tore his ACL in game one. Um, but, you know, now that he's gone, they don't really have much depth at, you know, the power forward center position. They have Frank Kaminsky in there now. And he's, he's not, he's not a very good player. Um, he's, he's never been a very good player. So um, throwing him into the fire, into the ringer in the finals um, has been great. And yeah, the Suns were able to just win game one and two based off of how well, you know, one Chris Paul has been playing. He's been playing phenomenal in even all three games. He's been very consistent. Uh, they had a big game two from Mikael Bridges and Devin Booker. Um, Mikael Bridges has probably played his best game as a professional in game two. Um, not only like offensively where he scored 27 points um, on eight of uh, 15 shooting, but he just played lockdown defense on Middleton, who again has been very inconsistent, has been struggling alongside Drew Holiday. We're, we're seeing flashes of brilliance from both of those guys, you know, in, in one game and we're gonna see, you know, them lay an egg in another. So the inconsistencies of those two guys have led to the, this 2-1 series results so far. But, you know, we're seeing Giannis just take that next step. He's averaging 34 points, 15 rebounds on 63% shooting. And like you said, he's playing like a center. He's playing like who would be like a comparable dominant force, like a, like a Shaq, like a, you know, like even like a LeBron type where you just don't have to settle. You're just so much stronger. You're so much, you know, more athletic. Um, and you just have the, the tangibles that, that, that you need to kind of play this game. And he just has it all. And he's not settling for threes. You know, it's kind of frustrating when you see him pull up for a three. I know you got to keep everyone honest. But um, if he's able to just stay in the post, you know, have that little fadeaway hook shot jumper um, once, he gets, once he gets in the post. And... Um, in game three, uh, Aiden got in foul trouble. I believe he had like five fouls in the third quarter. So, you know, he had a hot start in that game and he kind of slowed down because of foul trouble. So if Giannis is able to attack, to be able to create for Middleton and get easy shots for Holiday and for McConaughey, um, even for Lopez, um, this is definitely a game changer for, for the Bucks. And... Yeah, game four will be definitely tell, uh, like telling in terms of how the Suns adjust. I know we, we've seen other teams mimic what the Raptors did in 2019, kind of building that wall. Uh, I'm just not sure if the Suns have enough size to do that. You know, they don't have uh, the likes of Ibaka. They don't have the likes of Marcus Saul um, and Danny Green and, you know, Siakam kind of building that wall there. And... Um, it's, it's definitely interesting to see if the Suns are able to pull out game four, man, that's going to be very tough for the Bucks to come back. But, you know, if, if the Bucks win game four and it's a whole new series, the Suns will be, you know, kind of, I feel like they'll be a little nervous game five. So I think game four is 
probably the critical game in the series uh, because if the Bucks are able to win game four and take that momentum to game five, I could see them winning in six if they're able to uh, take care of business at home and um, see how they do in game five. Yeah, I think two things worth mentioning too is Devin Booker, game three, had 10.6 rebounds, three of 14 shooting. And on the on the other side of things, um, Drew Holiday was 8 of 14, 21 points, five rebounds, nine assists. So um, Drew Holiday had been struggling for most of this series. He had a really good game three. Devin Booker has been playing pretty consistently well. He had a terrible game three. So, I mean, you know, I, I would you know, put my money on Devin Booker, probably bouncing back and having a better offensive game. But, but yeah, I think, I think it really boils down to Giannis and this equation for Milwaukee and just this shift that he's taken. And again, like that stat that I want to bring up is, you know, he's 23 of 25 from around six feet of the hoop in the last two games. And Phoenix on the other hand is like, I think they're like shooting, what is it? 51%. So he's 92% around in that, in that territory and Phoenix is shooting 51%. So he's, he's playing better than the entire team from around six feet of the basket. So it's a pretty, it's, it's pretty crazy because just Giannis has been doing so much on the perimeter for the entire playoffs. And it's kind of been frustrating to watch. Right. And it's been sort of like killing their off and slowing things down and just seeing him roll to the hoop and attack with a lot more tenacity is kind of like, it's a no-brainer, but it's a shift that needed to happen. He's kind of figured it out, and now I just don't know if Phoenix can stop it. It's uh, it's a pretty wild turnaround uh, within the last two weeks for for this whole team, where we saw Giannis um, look like he basically blow blown out his entire knee um, in what games? What game was that? Game game six against the Hawks. Right. So um, it's yeah crazy that he's able to come back and probably play the best two, three games that I've ever seen him play. Um, he had a dominant game, um, game two, where he scored 20 points in the third quarter. I believe that's probably the best stretch of basketball I've ever seen him play because he was just so aggressive. He just was, you know, just um, he, he, he knew what he wanted to do and he, no one on the, the, the opposition could, could stop him. So um, I think game two, game three has, you know, probably the peak, the, the two signature games for Giannis so far, even though they lost game two, um, game three, he had 41, 13 and six. Um, and he's looking more dominant with each passing game. So um, as a, you know, as, as a Suns fan, you should kind of be a little nervous, should be sweating a little bit um, with, with the, how well he's playing. And you, your only hope as a Suns fan is, if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday continue to be inconsistent and you're able to, you know, steal game four um, from Milwaukee and really take command of the the series. Um, I have no doubt that Chris Paul will continue to play at the level he's been playing at. Like he's, he's, man, he's been killing it, legit killing it. He's by far the best player on the Suns, uh, the most consistent, just, you know, that we always talk about the floor general, the leader, and he, he, he has every part of that. And, um, you know, I think the Suns, they're definitely going to need to have a good or great shooting game uh, from beyond the arc. They, they need Cameron Johnson. They need Jay Crowder. They definitely need Cameron Payne. I, you know, we kind of forget that Cameron Payne 
got hurt in um I believe it was game two or three of the the Clipper series and he had you know uh you know from uh before that point he was playing unbelievable and he hasn't been himself since then he's only only averaging like six points a game um in the series so far and he was instrumental to uh to the Suns when Chris Paul was out a bit of the LA uh Lakers series and the Denver series so um if he's able to kind of get some of his shots to fall um get some confidence back he's definitely a key player uh in this whole thing so far so um i think if they're able to you know shoot above 40 45 from the three they'll be able to steal a game but it's looking like the milwaukee bucks especially Giannis, holiday middleton are you know they definitely just just ramping up a little bit on defense we're seeing that you know where they kind of just uh getting down getting dirty and just making making plays that they need to make so um yeah man game four will definitely be interesting and uh i think it's gonna be the pivotal game for for the series yeah i mean i think it's pivotal for milwaukee you know i think it's do or die for milwaukee i still think that phoenix is gonna win this series um but i think that you know milwaukee really like they it looks like they're trending in the direct in the right direction but this game is sort of a tell-all and it it really is their season on the line because, you know, we know the odds when a team's down 3-1. Um, for Phoenix, I kind of feel like there has to be a sense of urgency, but they can afford to lose. You know, they're up 2-1. Um, if the series gets tied 2-2, then, you know, they still have an opportunity to take a 3-2 lead. Um, for Phoenix, I think that, you know, for the first two games, Chris Paul has sort of been the best player on the floor. And there's been, a, you know, there's been a narrative surrounding him about just like finally understanding the moment, being in this moment and not taking it for granted and just playing his ass off. But in the last two games, you know, Giannis is kind of showing signs of, okay, no, now he kind of looks like the best player on the floor. He kind of looks like Kawhi Leonard. He kind of looks like Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan. Guys that when you used to watch them, it's just kind of like, holy, like you, you can't figure out how to stop them even by, you know, watching them on TV, right? He kind of like has entered that uh, that realm. So whether it's consistent, I'm not too sure. I really just don't know what Phoenix's adjustment is because if it's just more Aiton, he I don't know if he can last this entire series. But uh, I'm just expecting better play from Devin Booker, and I think that Phoenix will just sort of bounce back. Yeah, Devin Booker just hasn't been consistent enough, um, not only in this series, but even, even in the last three series. He just hasn't been as consistent as Chris Paul and they definitely need him to, to, to um, ramp it up a little bit, um, especially with a, with a poor game three so far. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much, you know, like Mins Kaminsky plays, how, how much Aiden is going to like, how many minutes he's going to be able to log. He's going to be able to play 35, 40 minutes. Uh, they had a foul trouble because he's been so dominant. He's, he's definitely been the, the breakout star of uh, the, the NBA playoffs. Just a guy that, you know, has always been in the shadows of Trey Young and, and Luca. Uh, you know, he was kind of the, the, the first overall pick, but a lot of people, you know, were like opposed to it because, you know, he's a center playing in a guards league, but he's definitely showing up and he's, he's definitely shown how important it is to have a young, a, agile a, a very flexible a you know a, 
adaptive young center that is able to, you know, spread the floor a little bit. He's not a three point shooter, but he's, he can make that jump shot. He can um, play defense on perimeter. Uh, he can, you know, play that drop coverage or he can uh, hedge on that screen. And it's important for them to, you know, keep feeding him, keep getting him his confidence and just getting buckets down low because he's definitely taken advantage of that Brooke Lopez matchup. Um, Lopez hasn't been playing very well. And, you know, Aiden played really well game one, game in game three. Um, and it's just, um, that's where the Phoenix Suns can, you know, definitely take advantage of that matchup there. I think if they're able to just continue to get him easy buckets, um, he's going to play with a lot of energy, play with, you know, that, that fighting spirit. And I don't think um, he's going to back down. So we'll, we'll see what happens. He's a young player. So um, his defense might not be as um, where, he, where it should be, and, but his offense has, you know, definitely taken that uh, next step up. So uh, definitely interesting to see um, if he's able to, one, continue to con playing at this highly efficient um, rate. And then two, if he's able to to slow down Giannis a little bit, knowing that he's playing probably the best basketball he's played in his entire career. Yeah, I mean, I think my last, you know, my my final, you know, comments towards Gamer, I'm just watching Devin Booker and I'm watching Giannis. Devin Booker has been playing pretty well this series. He had 27 points first game, 20, 31 points the second game. He had 10 in great game three, but, you know, shit happens. With Giannis, I feel like anytime Milwaukee loses, we're always we're always pointing to Middleton. We're always pointing to Drew Holiday. You know, throughout this entire season, you and I have been talking about how you know Middleton's their crunch time guy, and how Giannis is just not that type of that type of superstar. And I feel like he's been getting a hall pass. You know, we've been we've been just saying that you know Giannis is just not that that type of superstar, and Milwaukee can still be successful. But it hasn't it hasn't shown to be true. The last two games have proven that it takes Giannis for Milwaukee to be successful, and it's going to continue to take Giannis for Milwaukee to be successful. And he has to continue playing the way that he's playing, and he's got to assert it's assert himself um, in crunch time. You know, you can't just keep hiding to Middleton. You can't just keep hiding to Drew Holiday. The team's more successful when you're the best player on the floor, so you got to be the best player on the floor, and so. Whether Milwaukee can continue this type of basketball, I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, but yeah. But the thing is, they, there hasn't been a close game at all. Um, so we, we haven't seen that weakness of Giannis. We've seen him play, you know, the, the 45, 46 great minutes. But when it's, you know, the last two, three minutes of game, it's been, it's been a blowout. Each game has been, you know, um, the the winning team has won by 20 or sorry, by 10, 10 plus each game. So it hasn't been close. There hasn't been a, you know, a classic game yet. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be a close game, um, you know, down the stretch here uh, with, with, you know, possibly four games left. So uh, we'll see, but you know, the, the, the knock on Giannis is he can give you 45, 46 excellent minutes um, in any game. But when it comes down to it, is he able to, you know, when the score is 101, 100, and it's Milwaukee's ball, they're down one. What, what's going what's to happen? Are you going to give to Giannis? Are you well, go if, he's shooting to... threes, if he's shooting threes, and if he's playing on the perimeter like he has in the past, I think they're definitely vulnerable, and it's not a recipe for success. But if he's going to slash, if he's going to roll to the basket, 
And if he's just going to assert himself within, you know, the free throw line down, then, you know, I think they have a chance. It's tough, man. It's tough because when you, when you watch his game, it's just not meant for crunch time, especially with his flaws on, on the free throw line, um, his inability to make a jump shot. Um, anytime during the game, you know, it's still like when he's shooting a three, I have no confidence in it. His mid-range game has definitely got a little better. He's definitely going to like, you know, that fadeaway or that, you know, drop step into the paint and just shooting over the guys. So I'm confident in that. But when, you know, we got one minute left on the clock, fourth quarter, you know, the fans are tight, the players are tight. Um, do you really want to get to Giannis and potentially get him fouled? Then he's going to possibly make one out of two. And, you know, if especially if it's in Phoenix, totally different story. If it's in Milwaukee, totally different story. So um, we just haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen a tight game. We haven't seen a close game. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, you know, eventually see a close game and see who's really mentally ready for, for that type of scenario. Yeah, well, we'll see. This is a huge game. Game four, like I said, when it, two one two one lead, game four probably just as big as, if not bigger than, a game seven. If you think about yeah, it, yeah, no, because, uh, this, sure. this, this, this will Milwaukee definitely determine on the line. Yeah, this will definitely determine the the rest of the series. Um, quickly, um, I know we didn't talk about this before, but Ben Simmons is on the block. It reports now that the 76ers have um, have been shopping him around. Um, if if the if the if the 76ers give him a side call and you know they're they're asking for either like a sign and trade with Lowry and maybe like a first round pick or a you know a swap for Siakam, what what do you say? What are, what are your thoughts on that right now? Absolutely only because I I really believe in our uh, development staff. I've seen I've seen some I've seen some crazy shit go down with our <laughs> development staff. So I would I would absolutely uh, I would absolutely take that on. I think that he's a work in progress. He's so young and just as intangibles. I feel like he's he would fit into a Nick Nurse program extremely well, just with his length, his defensive capabilities. Uh, we have enough shooting. We have enough talent that uh, we could probably offset and mitigate some of his um, his flaws. Bring it on! Yeah, you, you bring it on. You do a you you do a straight up swap Siakam for for Ben Simmons. Would you do that? Well, just at the pace that we play, like his ability to run the break. Um, whenever Embiid's not, whenever like Philadelphia is very successful without Embiid on the floor, and Ben Simmons is uh, is taking control. Like they're not the worst team. Um, he definitely has what it takes to to lead an offense, even if you know he doesn't have to be the main scorer. Um, I just like it. I, I feel like I feel like it'd be a good change of scenery for him, and it'd be a good change of scenery for Siakam. Yeah, honestly, I like it too. I think he's definitely like a buy buy low type of um, player right now, with, with all the backlash that he's received, um, with, with them flaming out against the, the Atlanta Hawks, and you know now that they're you know openly actively discussing trades with them uh we'll be able to see what kind of value he gets back he's definitely more valuable than what you know the casual fan thinks he he is because of what happened in that series but still he's a all nba um he's an all-star he's an all nba defender all nba type player so if you can get him for cheap you know like 80 cents on the dollar you you go for it you go for it because you know this we we know that this league is all about stars all about um 
guys who can take over the game. Um, not only offensively, we got to look at defensively too. Like he's one of the best. He's he was a runner up for defensive player of the year. So um, with all of his flaws, and even though how how big they are and how um, you know just magnified they are, um, he's still a very significant piece to to a winning team, and he was able to uh, be put in the right spots, uh, be put in the right system. I think he he can thrive for sure. And I feel like our system would be perfect. Just we're, we're an organization that prides ourselves on defense and development. Um, and so I just, I think it's a very good fit. I would love to keep Siakam, you know, yeah, well, uh, definitely don't want to hate on Siakam. No, it, there's no hate on Siakam. You could have both of them and just center a trade around Lowry. Like that would be, that'd be fantastic in a signing trade. So depends how vulnerable Philadelphia is like Daryl, Daryl Morey isn't a chump. They got great leadership in the front office and so do we. So, um, it's high stakes poker with those two organizations. Yeah, I, th- I think how Chris Paul is playing right now has definitely given us, you know, uh, the advantage on any trade discussions now because people are definitely going to see Lowry as that same type of player as Chris Paul, um, especially how old he is, the way that they play, the style that they play. Um, and I think we can get quite a bit in a sign and trade. So we'll see what Masai and Bobby Webster can do there. Uh, but let's, Let's wrap it up there. You know, um, an exciting three games so far. Um, game four will be crucial for the series. And we will probably do another pod before um, the end of the series, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't end in like two games. So hopefully it goes to six or seven. We'll do a, a quick recap of those, those games and then we'll wrap it up with a uh, post-finals uh, podcast from there. Yeah, man. This, this podcast is brought to you by Space Jam 2. Uh, out in all theaters near you. Uh, can't wait to can't wait to watch that one. Not man, I'm not watching that at all. I have no like. Do you have any interest in catching that at all? I'm like, I just have interest in seeing Clay Thompson on the floor since he got injured. Like, if he's going to be in that movie, I'm going to kind of want to watch him just drain a couple buckets. It's been a while. True, true. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm, I I really no desire to watch it, but if it comes up and I can you know find a stream or get a nice way for Netflix to have it come out, then maybe I'll watch it, but not a fan. Even though, even the first Space Jam wasn't that great. I'm, okay, I'm not going to lie. We end this I, podcast. Space Jam 1 <laughs> is a legendary movie. That's the reason I don't want to watch Space Jam 2. Okay, all right. Maybe I, I rewatched it like recently and it wasn't great. But when I when I was a kid, I did like it, but I rewatched it recently and I, it, it wasn't that great. But um, let, let's end it off there. Uh, thanks for your time, man. And um yeah, we'll catch up soon. And thanks everyone for listening. Kind of crazy that the game's tomorrow. I keep thinking it's today. Um, yeah, they got they got a three day break. Yeah, three day break. All right, man. We'll talk. Good chat. Yeah, all right.